0: Dolphin Creative Festival Corner Podcast, where we interview the producers organizing street theater, outdoor, and basket festivals around the globe. In this episode, our host is Magic Brian. Brian interviewed Brandon Coleman, who is a creative producer of the Fremantle International Street Arts Festival in Australia. They talk about the past, present, and future of the festival, the basking culture of Australia, Brendan's career to becoming a producer, how the festival contributes to still Fremantle, and many more. Let's hear their conversation.
1: All right. So, welcome to Festival Corner. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself
0: for the list? Yeah, I'm Brendan Coleman. I'm the creative producer of the Fremantle International Street Arts Festival. Thanks for having
1: me. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for being part of it. Um, and how long have you been uh, producing the festival?
0: so i first started programming the festival way back in 2004 so um quite some time now and and my experience with the festival predates that in that the festival began in 1999 uh and i performed in it as a local performer so i guess uh we did lose three festivals during the pandemic but Besides those, I guess, yes, I've been involved in the festival either as a performer or as a, as a programmer uh, for, since its inception.
1: So what was, what kicked it off? What was the, in 99, what started the festival? What was it, what was the reason for putting a festival together in frio
0: Yeah, so like a great friend and colleague of mine uh, called Alex Marshall. He is a um, English-Australian uh, performer, uh, Australian citizen but spent a lot of time in Europe he worked Covent Garden for many years and he you know came and lived in, in Perth and he traveled a lot and he'd seen and had experiences like festivals like Linz in Austria and he'd seen the street performance festivals through the 80s and, and, and 90s and so forth and um, like he he was kind of inspired well why can't we do something like this in Fremantle and he hit up the local council city of Fremantle and was like, you know, let's let's try and do something like, like I, I've done overseas. And he managed to convince the, the council to, to give him a small amount of money. And it was the first 99 festival was basically one road closure and a whole bunch of kind of ragtag locals, including myself. Um, and, you know, it was very small and modest, but, you know, it was an instant success as in, you know, like the the road closure, the different spaces, um, the idea of 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 performers, you know, coming on mass to a place just immediately took kind of hold. And that was the first year. Um, but, fr- and fr-
1: but Frio's always had a street like at least one pitch, right? is it it's been like it ha- it's had some history of street prior to that festival.
0: absolutely. And I think this is one of the reasons why it, you know it kind of took off from that, and that it's been managed to integrate itself into, you know, like being run by the city of Fremantle and being embraced by the community and whatnot. It is an authentic festival. It's a celebration of Fremantle's unique busking culture. There is that that pitch um, the, that that works every weekend, you know, In the by, by that's right at the front of the Salem and Hotel, the Fremantle markets. It's it's got that combination of urban geography, of intimacy, you know, a balcony. Um, you know, because pictures, I think are a function of kind of community and urban geography to a degree, as we all know, not all spaces work, you know, no. I mean, you can, you could you can orchestrate something with production and marketing, but, but, but for something to be a legitimate space, it's got to be a combination of different things. And we've had that in Fremantle as a circle show busking thing for, since I was like a teenager before I it probably goes back, but it's been running for at least 40, 50 years in terms of the eighties performers were there. Really? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, it was um, well Alex himself. You know, he was performing there in the mid 80s. You know, before years before he, um, you know, then went on to kind of encourage the festival to have sort of a more of a formal shape. So yeah, that that it does come from that culture. And even like this, you, you'll find performers on that pitch this weekend, as well as as well as you know throughout town too. There's musicians. There's passing trade. You know, maybe the odd statue occasionally. You know, Fremantle is a place where street performance is celebrated and and the festival is an application of that and a celebration of that authenticity.
1: Would you say, or do you know, is Fremantle one of the first cities that had busking in Australia?
0: It's hard to say because we're really isolated over here. You know, we're in Western Australia. Um, If you get out the map and look out where Perth is, Fremantle is the port town of the capital city, Perth. And, you know, the closest cities like Adelaide, it's thousands and thousands of kilometres away. No one's driving, you know, you're flying. So, Um, you know, I was aware there's always been, um, maybe a good way to segue. So Alex did the festival for two years and that was taken over by another street performer, Dom Ferry. Oh yeah. yeah, uh, from zip and zap. Um, yeah. and Dom was coming over. I was seeing him, he'd do things like the Royal show, like an agricultural society kind of show, but he was working, you know, circular key and darling Harbor, you know, back in the eighties as well. And I was okay. aware of the Brisbane expo was a big thing in 88. Like that celebrate, there was a lot of street performers around there so i you know i think sydney at the very least has always had a, a decades long you yeah. know, culture um, Dal- um victoria markets victoria key uh, sorry circular key yeah i, and so I heard
1: that expo kind of is the thing that kind of kicked a lot off of street performing in, in australia because international performers came over and then mm. like guys like jp saw you know was a juggler got inspired by seeing these street performers and started street performing, you know, and now, you know, it's kind of exploded in Australia. It was free of the first kind of festival then? Of, of its kind yeah. of
0: festival, would you say? Yeah, it's, it probably is. I mean, yeah, in terms it probably in Australia, um, could be corrected if I'm wrong. So we started, it began as the Fremantle Buskers Festival uh, you know, like pure celebration of busking. And I think, yeah, I think Christchurch was probably happening at that time, but you know, okay. this is pre-internet. So around yeah. the time of that, you know, like there was this, sort sure. of, you only heard things through, you know, kind of traveling tales, um, as opposed to everything, which you see instantaneously now. Uh, so, and then I guess, I mean, I, I obviously Adelaide fringe must've been running, but I can't remember it. <laughs> uh, you so know, I think there was I mean that yeah. might be
1: fringe, but as far as a, a pure busking festival, like celebrating street theater, yeah, like you know, because if you're going back to '99, that's that's going back. Um,
0: yeah, I think you might be right. It might be the first, one of the first, if not the first, to um, to put a put a circle around it and go, hey, we're going to do a like a festival celebrating busking culture.
1: So, how did you slide into the producer role then, from being a performer? Prof-
0: well, I- yeah, so Dom did it for a couple of years and then another friend and colleague of mine, he was more of a musician, Peter Keelan, but, you know, like we'd done fire and drumming shows and stuff. So everyone that's done, produced the festival has had some experience of actually being there and doing it. So Pete did it for a year and then he he sort of wasn't so much up for it. And then there became this gap and they put it out and Dom Ferries is going, Brendan, you should do this. You're, you're based here, you know what you're doing. Um, you know, Dom was doing it from Sydney and whatnot. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I thought... I did, yeah, I guess I had some ideas about how it could be better as well, you know, after watching it for five years and the, the originals had stepped away, and I thought maybe this is my time, and you know, I put my hand up, and uh, yeah, I got the role, and so you know, and I had a really good festival in 2004 when I first started, and I guess that just kickstarted, you know, a passion to continue, and and yeah, here we are now in 2023.
1: Yeah, so aside from being a performer, do you have any other background that led you to producing the producing side of it?
0: It's kind of, I don't know, like, like, you know, we're trying to keep a bit focused on the festival, but the, the, the 25 words or less or 100 words or less. So I, like, I was quite an academic kid. Um, someone came to my high school, a clown, taught me juggling, unicycling and so forth, And you know, kind of year 11. Uh, put that aside, it's kind of academic. I went to university, started a commerce degree of all things. I don't know what I was going to do with that but um, it just seemed to be, I don't know, that's just where I was going. But then I got involved with a uh, first year into that a community circus company, which became Berserkus, re- re-established my my joy, you know, and passion, you know, t- to get into circus. That led to like me going to the East Coast flying fruit circus, working with Chinese acrobats and so forth, then eventually sort of doing a bit more and getting some grants and going to London and doing Goulier and, and putting together that kind of, you know, theater aspect and the physical skills which I have you know, like sort of dove right into in the 90s with Berserkus as, as a performer, and so and then street performance as well. So it was it was that like, I guess that combination. I, I always I did have that academic background. I you know I finished my commerce degree, so I have a, I do have some organisational skills that go along with I guess you know the experience that I have as a performer and um, the training in, in that as well.
1: Yeah, and I guess and then as the more you do it, obviously you you start to learn. You know, you know by mistakes i guess or or whatever like what's the best fit for the festival what the, as the best way to run a festival it just comes with years of doing it beyond any kind of education you might have had cuz i don't know that there's any education that is like okay here's your education for a festival producer
0: yeah you know. absolutely
1: cuz then you got to deal with performers which is a whole other thing which i <laughs> Three think performers yeah yeah And I think that there's some producers that are non-performers that are really good at
0: it. Absolutely.
1: Um, And I don't know how they do it because it's like being a middle school teacher, I would imagine, like dealing with these all these personalities. Uh, But then I always find a lot of times I find festivals that are produced by performers. They get everything they know what you need. Right. So you're in a comfortable place. They get if it's too hot, or the you know if you have problems, they know how to fix it or how to deal with your issues with it. Um, so I think that's always an advantage being a performer producing a festival, and then you then you learn all these other things along the way that you probably would have never thought of before that. You know, when you first started doing it, you probably didn't even think of all the different challenges. Like, what would be some of the challenges that maybe that you've encountered over the years that Made you a better producer, or that you've noticed because mm. to, to the festival a smoother festival.
0: Yeah, I mean, just to just to talk about what you just initially said. I mean, I think I, I'm a believer of the 10,000 hours concept. In that, you know, if you can stay motivated and and have the the reason or discipline to do anything for 10,000 hours, you're just going to get good at it. So, you know. It, there's, I don't know. I always have. It's always interesting, isn't it, when people ask you how do you get into sort of this niche thing? It was like I don't know. How do you get it? How do you become a taxidermist? There's so many things in, in that I'm so curious about in the world, and so many unique jobs, isn't there? And this just happens to be kind of I don't know, maybe one of them. Yeah. But um, yeah, it is very much about if you're interested in keen, you, you will learn just through experience and making mistakes and whatnot. And I guess as a background as a performer, I do have, you know, having stood on good pitches and bad pitches i do understand like what's going to make you know if you're trying to grow a festival break a pitch this this is going to work because of this this and this or this is not going to work and and really you know what people want is, that, is they want to see performers in you know their best their best situation so you know that's that's a very big part of it in terms of programming is very much putting you know the putting all of the places together um, in a way that's going to work you know with a great synergy and so forth and 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 freemantle like i guess i'm going to go into talking about like the ethos of the festival and, and and for where we're coming from as a team and what i'm trying to push is that you really want to look after performers in in all aspects because that's how you're going to get great results from your artists you know like i think some festivals Absolutely. maybe don't achieve that so much and then you know there's so many reasons where it, there's a natural um positive feedback loop on that you know performers have a great experience they tell other great performers that this is a good place to come um, and, and spreads, you know, uh, I, I guess, goodwill and and also, you know, you, your festival as a brand destination. There's so many different things that street festivals do achieve and they need to achieve to justify yeah. themselves. That's a so, great... yeah, and it starts with, I guess, you know, for a commercial worker, it starts with the product, and that, that's the artists, you know, so they need to be, they need to have uh, good conditions. They need to um, be given the support production-wise to to be able to do their best job. They need to be marketed well and they need to be celebrated. And if you get that, that's the core of it, then you'll be able to build something on a year-on-year basis to attract the best performers that you can with the resources you have. And it just spirals, you know, in a positive kind of loop from there.
1: Yeah, that's like you've just written the guidebook right there. Like
0: those points mm. are like the they're huge.
1: I don't I don't think mm. every I mean, you know there's a lot of great festivals, but but recognizing those things first. I think not every producer knows that right away, but as a performer, you know how you want to be treated and you want to provide that for your performers at your festival because you know that if everyone's comfortable, if everyone's happy, they're going to go out and do a good job and then the audience is going to love them and then they're going to, it's just a feedback loop of all this stuff. So that's what you said is, yeah, it's really important that that, that's a good point um, about, you know, just giving the performer what they need because then it's going to come back Tenfold.
0: Yeah, and I guess the model for us as well is that you know it is it is a curated festival. It's not open access in terms of say you know rolling up to Adelaide Fringe or Edinburgh or sure. you know maybe Lintz Lintz as well. I think is a really kind of a large you know number of performers. Is that you know we're trying to get the the a, a diverse range of, of of talent. You know, providing a diverse range of shows you know for the audience situation that we have you know we're not over programming the festival that would dilute the hat dilute the hats or you know we're trying to trying to find the right balance there uh, and scheduling is important you know like you there there needs to be a sense of like nuance yeah. and equity about that and making yeah. sure that that everyone you know has the opportunity to to you know, to work good pitches and and some of the more challenging spaces, or you know, or just just basically forcing you know horses for courses, putting people in, in the areas that they're best going to to do well in based on you know their style of work and and so forth. So, um, I you know, it, I guess if in terms of maybe this podcast and what I yeah would say is that yes, making a, a, a the artist central to the the event is a, is a good strategy if if you do want to create a long term Um, quality festival
1: yeah and and speaking of artists so how do you go about choosing artists and um i know you're saying like you want uh, the different elements you want to have like Mm. obviously a different variety but what's the process of choosing artists or how do artists apply or how do you curate We, we do
0: yeah like people like we do get artists you can contact us through our kind of social media or um festivals at fremantle.wa.gov.au. That is a way you can, you know, get us to um you know contact. And I get I do get thousands of emails. Um I guess my advice to, to provincial performers is do your research. You know, if if you're on a mailing list, you know, someone's got a database, if someone's given someone a database and there's 1000 festivals and you I'm not going to respond to that. Like oh I'll read it maybe if it's interesting. But you know if you do some you we'll find out you know who's who's the producer how you might fit in, you know, talk about how a tour might, you know, if someone actually does a bit of research, I will engage with an artist. But it is a difficult, you know, process in terms of, you know, base, You know, we've, I really don't book too many acts that have come through application. You know, it really is a kind of a matter of, of getting out there and, and doing the research to find out, um, you know, to go and look for people. To, to kind of look through, um, well, the best way to actually, you know, to find talent is to get out there and go to festivals. And that's my favourite way. Um, yes. And as the festival developed, you know, I really particularly before the pandemic made an effort to try as much as I can get to places like Japan, to Shizuoka, you know, days Go and, and and my wife, Beth, formerly lived in Penabilly and there's this beautiful festival there called Artisti in Piazza in um uh, yeah, which runs every just just coming up in June, and being able to go there and see and see shows which maybe aren't on some of the more like I guess um, standard street circuits. So sure. and and then getting even further as we developed into street theater beyond um, as well as street performance. You know, going to places like Chalon, rue in France, and and some of the places which you know are presenting outdoor theater as well as um, as well as street performance. So. Uh, yeah, so I guess to summarize all of that is like the best way is to go and see other festivals and get out there and see shows. I mean, I think every producer in the world ideally would like to see a show live before booking. it. Sure. Um, as, as much as you can do that, well, then, you know, we have video, we have other ways. And, yeah. then, and then you can do research, I guess, on the Internet and so forth. And then, you know, there's a whole bunch of ways you can it can happen. But but those that, that is, you know, that's the ideal, I guess.
1: I think, I mean, I think for you being, you know, all in Australia, it, it it would be more of a challenge for you to get to some of these places to see, you know, to get to Europe, to see festivals. So how often were you traveling to see festivals to find artists and how often were you maybe going with uh, word of mouth or local artists? What's, it, you know, and what's the balance in the festival for the performers?
0: Yeah. I mean, I we build the festival like on a website. It's a market, you know, um, the world's best street theatre. It needs a little like dot 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 in our price range. So like we 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 the festival is a celebration. You know, there's always local performers, there's interstate Australian performers, and then you know I'd have some budget to be able to fly people directly, but that's limited as well. And then Mm -hmm. you know we're supplementing the the festival. There's roving acts, there's you know site specific smaller kind of uh, acts, and then if we have budget, you know. Uh, then then we can do something a bit bigger, maybe an outdoor, you know, feature work or something like that. Um, you know, and we, we between say 2.15 and 2.19, we had 2.20 cancelled with the pandemic. We, we had a really like great period of growth. So I was traveling, you know, pretty much every year between sort of, you know, around 2.15 to 2.19, trying to get at least somewhere. Um, and, and it's amazing when you do get out, like you go to one festival, it can bear fruit for two or three years because you know like you're you programming um uh, you get to see you know that that show and that might not come next year but you'll work to develop that tour or, or yeah, various things see and that, oh,
1: that'll fit in that won't fit in this year because i have these acts but that might be yeah. good next year and you, yeah you kind of place them together
0: yeah Absol- absolutely and i still you know from my trips to japan in 219 i still have stuff that all that should flow in in 224 so um yeah I mean, and again, I guess the other thing to note as well, and, and you're, you're aware because you've spent quite a bit of time in Australia, is, is that Australia has an amazing like circus and physical theatre culture here. Yeah, you know, like, the, and, and, and a lot of Australian street performers, you know, you'll find on international circuits. So there is, Australia itself is a rich source of, you know, uh, of, of talent here. So it is, um, yeah, we, we always have that. Um, and then, you know, we're trying to attract I guess you know the best international performers we can afford and 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 can arrange you know like um, a viable tour here and so forth. So
1: yeah. So speaking speaking of affording like so there's sponsorship, um, or is it just through the city that you have?
0: Yeah. So. So the great thing about Fremantle is it is a city of Fremantle produced event, which means the local government, you know, fund it in its majority and celebrate it. And it gives us amazing access to do things. If we want to put four French musicians in a harbour, we can get permission to do that. You know, if we want to, you know, have Jonathan pour, Jonathan Taylor pour a thousand rubber balls off a balcony, we could make that happen.
1: I've seen him do that in Edinburgh. (laughs)
0: That's great. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, like we can do it like legitimately. We can organize visas. We can do everything. That it, like there's, we have the tools within it. But That's we cool. don't really get to do it without making partnerships with the local businesses, and they're the ones that have supported it um, since the very beginning. And and we've kind of expanded that as we've gone. So the model is very much to try and you know partner with businesses, and they will sponsor pitches. So if it works as a good location, then and and the business is prepared to contribute, then then we will place you know pitches across the, the city and that helps you know fund the budget as well so you know like the Salem anchor hotel pitch or the Fremantle um fishing boat harbor pitch or the national hotel pitch or the fomo you know shopping complex pitch as long as we build these partnerships because the city of Fremantle has like i guess you know why should have why should a, a local government fund a you know, street performing festival, there's many priorities with budgets. And, you know, if you've been a festival that's been around, you have to make, you know, you have to justify yourself every year in a way. And I think that's a struggle for most perform um, festivals, you know, like, yeah, we do this, but like, there's always going to be, let's not say critics, but people that question, why are we doing this? And you need an answer. And for us, it's very simple. You know, we're providing high quality, accessible. Free. Free entertainment for rate payers, that, um, and the wider community can come down. And we all know this. We've heard this, you know, it's very excess. You can pay, like, nothing if that's all you've got or you can put in as much as you'd like to contribute to a performer's hat. Yeah. And, and, and when we do other street theatre, that's all free as well. There's no indoor... We we'd sometimes do the odd cabaret, but, like, in 2023, no ticketed events. Very much about placing event... Um, placing, you know, great street theatre all over the city in an open-access way that attracts people to come down and... Enjoy the city, enjoy the city's businesses and what they've got to offer. Uh, Fremantle's a hospitality town with many kind of, you know, it's a touristy town. You come down, it's got, it's, it's the place in in Perth that has all the old heritage buildings. It's got a beautiful harbour. It's got a little, like a beach attached. It really is kind of a really pretty place. So, yeah. you know, the street theatre festival amplifies everything that's great about Fremantle, and we have we do it over the Easter weekend, which kind of moves around in autumn a little bit. We have four days. You know, we can just really own that space and just ask. You know, becomes like Fremantle. You know, celebrated and and the street performers and the artists help. You know, amplify that. Um, and then the second thing it does, is it becomes a you know a tourism destination marketing tool. You know, the, the and it, this is I guess advice is you know it's in the name. You can call a festival of many things. In our name, it's the Fremantle International Street Arts Festival. Right. You know. You know, you talk about, I mean, we all speak locally, you know, we go into like Edinburgh or Shizoka or Christchurch or yeah. Adelaide or Fremantle. So, you know, it is a way that you can. You mark you know, the map. Like promote, you mark the map, you promote the city. Yeah. Uh, and then it's also got an amazing economic development, you know, and that's something that local governments are trying to achieve as well, you know, through marketing or through events or whatnot. You know, people come down, they watch the shows, they they buy, you know, they buy a beer they might buy a pair of shoes so that's right so so there isn't isn't just about you know we're not just paying a bunch of buskers to come and do shows for the glory of it it really is an integrated strategy that has been marketed um sorry it's been researched with you know hard numbers that that support the case for it to happen each year yeah and and Uh, and that is i guess if you were talking you know advice to to a young producer or young festival is that you know Obviously, get something up and running and and test it to see if there's an appetite for it. But then, but long term, these are the things that that need to happen organizationally you know, yeah. to be able to 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 be able to grow and and keep a festival, you know, going and be supported. So,
1: so uh, what was the has it always been Easter weekend, or what was the choice for Easter weekend? What was what, is that you know yeah. gives people a, a a vacation time? Is that why? Because you said it's a kind of a, a yeah, holiday. you
0: get like yes. Yeah, so, that's right. So Good Friday and Easter Monday are holidays. So, you know, it's a it's a four day event, you know, that gives us that space. And it's also kind of like, I don't know, you've been, you, Brian, you know, you were here in 2007 to Fremantle and, and you know Australia and you tour in Adelaide. Per, you know, Australia's hot as hell. Yeah. <laughs> so so like, you know, January, February, March, even it's they're quite warm months, so they're not really yeah. conducive to street performing. So we get this lovely autumn weather that kicks in around Easter. You know, right. sits into, like, 26 degrees, whatnot, which...
1: it's is comfortable.
0: Uh, which is comfortable. I mean, we just had yeah. Paul Curry from Northern Ireland, and we had a lovely 25 degree. We you know, some rain this year. It was like, it's so hot, Brandon. <laughs> oh, no, this is nothing. This is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like, we've got to kind of find a space if we're going to invite people from around the world. That, like, you know, it's hot here. So yeah. it's very much about the weather. It's about the holiday time of year. And, um, yeah, and there's lots of other events going on through summer as well so it's about we've always owned easter as well so it's, yeah it's, it's just been a natural natural space for us yeah
1: that makes sense um a couple other things so how how has the festival grown over the years like what have you seen as far as maybe is it sponsorship is it the the number of pitches the number of acts you're bringing there what, what what's what's been happening yeah
0: so again it began as a local like kind of event and then it kind of You know, small growth, a few internationals that happened to be in town without visas uh, kind of did, the show. (laughs) you know, like like the 90s were like the early millennials of a wild time. So and then and then it became it did it it kind of the public it it came the public came with it and it started to to build a momentum. And we and we kept uh, the festival kept sauntering along and eventually made a case. And we had a, a, a tourism WA, which was like a state government thing chipped in. Around 2009, and that that really did lift our capacity for the first time to be able to fly internationals in for the first time. Before then, it had been very much just about whoever we could get to come. Yeah, and and that and that had been building because the hats have always been very good, you know, yeah. coming coming from that ethos of looking after the performers and trying to get the best people. So, we at that point it became so 2009 to 15, we kept growing. We'd be able to. We're very much street performance around 2:15. We, you know, built an audience and, and that is going back to your question about what are the challenges? Well, like, you know, when you build something and you start to have success, you know, you you start bringing an audience that obviously start to want more. They want different experiences. They want different styles of work. So, you know, from two, you know, so around about 2013 to two nineteen, we, we started to add different elements to, to the festival, street theatre, different styles of work. Um, and then we started to layer it in a way that, like, if you've never seen a street show, you're going to be able to come down and see, you know, some amazing power act doing something and marvel at the ability of, of a performer to gather a crowd. And then if you've been to every single festival, you, you know, there might be, uh, I don't know, a contemporary dance duo from France doing the most amazing
1: okay.
0: thing you've ever, you know, like something richer, but yeah, only yeah. 200 people. you started to become more nuanced in a way, and and becoming um, rather than, you know, the first festival very much. It's a, it's all street. Performance of a certain style, even. Yeah. So the the challenge is is being able to cater for the the different audiences that you bring as you become a mature festival. You know, it's and that's really rewarding to watch a community become educated. You know, to start to want more. Uh, right. You yeah. start asking you know, for to, things. And, yeah. Well, I mean, I like that's right.
1: just, just the, the name the Street Arts Festival says it all, right? You know, it's not just a busking festival; it's street arts. You know, it's or you can call it street theater, but street arts festival kind of gives it this umbrella where you can bring in like what you're saying, like how it's changed. You can bring in so many different types of things. So it's not just buskers that, you know, style of show, but all kinds of street theater.
0: Exactly right. So that, yeah, that that is a, a, spot on. It does give it gives the festival the ability to be able to go wherever it wants mm-hmm. with that at, at its core, still being able to celebrate, um, you know, street performing culture. And um, it might, that's probably a good opportunity to talk about 223 and again about challenges. And, and I have heard this from, you know, all of my colleagues on the circuit is this year is probably one of the hardest, you know, coming back after COVID, but inflation, it's killing us. Yeah. It's it's across the board and and in in trying to, one of the strategies, you know, I'm working with each year is to build relationships with different festivals across Australia to, to, to be able to give people extended tours and share costs and whatnot, because it's a long way to come. But, uh, you know, we all faced 20 to 100% increases in audio production, security, traffic management, you name it, yeah. it's boomed, you know? Yeah. And, and, and because it sort of came from nowhere too, particularly coming out of like, cancellations for three years. And, and unfortunately, you know, that all ultimately comes out of artistic. You know, that's the only lever you can pull when, you know, you have to close roads, you have yeah. to have security, you have to have first aid, you need to do a certain amount of marketing. So really marketing and artistic are the the things that unfortunately, you know, are the that's first it. things to contract. And so for us this year, that did mean like we couldn't, we really didn't have the, you know, flights. Oh my God, flights don't get better uh-huh. started on flights. So, yeah. you know, a lot of the things that we'd been managing to 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 ride, you know, fairly reasonably for for many years between say 232, thirty-two-19 game changing costs and that's going to be a challenge for us going further, going going into the future. And and we did manage to put together a really strong program, you know, of high quality street performers, but we did lose street theater. We just didn't really have the budget to bring in things that, you know, require, you know, higher production values or, right. you know, great bigger casts. So this year was very much, you know, a lot of solo performers and duos trying oh, to still have oh. the same reach and quality. Um, yeah. but but yeah. Yeah, and I've heard it from from a lot of my other colleagues as well it is it is a definite problem um you know not just for street festivals but for arts festivals in general
1: yeah I would imagine even for even for the public the, the you know everything's more expensive like they they're probably like throwing the 20 in the hat is maybe not maybe it's like oh that's a 10 now because yeah where, you know their beer is more expensive or whatever is more expensive and, and so you know if they want to watch four shows they're not gonna spend the 100 bucks in the day on on the acts. so yeah and then then that makes it more challenging for programming but imagine because you're like well maybe we'll have less performers so there's they'll make more money i mean i'm not sure what what angle you would yeah I mean, it's you know th- this is i guess you know what the future of the festival holds i mean you don't know yet based on the economy of the world but you know do you see what a pattern on what you would need to do to make yeah these- i mean
0: things- i mean I mean I, I do get a sense of like the hats were good this year again. You know, no like I I mean street performers are, are incredibly great value, you know. Like it costs twelve dollars to buy a beer, you know, like um it's you know, to to eat at eat at a restaurant, you know, it costs can be hundreds. So yeah. Really, um, you know, it's not it's not too yeah, performers really in terms of even the ones that are getting big drops, it's not it's it's not the highest cost of your day out. So okay. I think the performers are okay. Um good. And again, like they're very high quality and incredibly charming at what they do. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm not so much worried about that. I mean, there, there are the challenges now. It's really interesting, isn't it? Coming back, you know, uh, while before probably 2019, you probably 95% of the hat was cash. You know, now the feedback I'm getting, you know, 30% is Square Reader, at least, yeah. and and that's a transition. Performers are making it into. We yeah. as a festival keep it keep out of that. I think the festival mm-hmm. really needs to never be involved in performers hats and. Yeah, don't really want to – I think that's something that needs to be self-managed by artists themselves. And Yeah, there's
1: systems uh, out there that people are starting to adopt for that cashless mm-hmm. kind of system. But,
0: yeah. That's I mean, a, that a thing that did spring up is we did the group show, like, you know, an evening group show on the thing. And it was like for the first time, oh, yeah, how do you – how do you do the – how do you have – like, into the cash is fine. Yeah. Like, it came down to like oh well maybe one performer will put it all on one performers and then they'll give anyway became oh yeah this is this is a 223 problem for sure
1: yeah 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 that's interesting i didn't even think about that group show yeah you have one qr code that everyone can scan goes to but also in every country is different like we have venmo here in the states and it's really easy but that doesn't work outside of here so just do i mean i collect tips with venmo and that's more common. Or uh, up in Canada, it's like this bank transfer, but you have to have a Canadian bank account. There's, you know, there's ways to do it, but
0: yeah, it's it it's is, a hell of a hat pitch. It's a long hat
1: pitch. It is. It's an extra thing to say. <laughs> it's like, an, and also here's this thing you can, you know,
0: yeah, yeah it is tricky. Um, the QR codes were very widely used this year, and you know, you can put them on your suitcase, so you can. It's it's an easy way to yeah yeah to get it done quickly. Um, so,
1: I I mean, obviously as a guy, I got a million of questions, but, um, just to, to start wrapping things up, uh, do you have some favorite moments or memorable moments? I mean, I'm sure it is. You probably have a million stories of things that have happened. Um, I always find it hard when someone asks me like, what's your favorite this and that? I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. Um, so there's no pressure, but maybe something hits you that, um, a moment in the festival that was or a challenge that you had overcome that was really interesting that you learned from?
0: Yeah, I mean I mean my favorite stories are probably not for this podcast and let's have a beer sometime. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's a fun festival. We try and have fun in Freeman. It is good. It That's is good. a good I mean what I like lo- I mean, festivals like you know, artists are like these migratory, you know, beautiful creatures that travel the world and 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 was like Fremantle are kind of like the ponds that 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 people get to gather in and see each other again. And I really love that aspect of it. You know, yeah. it's like traveling overseas. You there's all these you meet new friends and old friends and you come together for this short, intense time. And there's something really intensely beautiful about that. And I'm really sort of happy and privileged to be part of that. And it's, you know, highlighted my year quite quite often. And um I mean, for me being in a general way, you know, one of the, the best things that I, I love is when I go overseas or something, I find something that has never come to Australia before, you know, so amazing. I fall in love with it over there and I bring it and then I watch it like just completely, you know, watch the city fall in love with it and, and you know, just the joy. And I, that's my favorite thing. You know, when you just, I find something, the public love it and there's just such a lovely satisfaction with that, you know, yeah. just... Yeah yeah and I mean obviously, a lot of street theater comedies at its core and 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 the whole idea of bringing a bunch of friends and strangers into a space and having a collective laugh is you know it's just such a joyful thing. And you know, I guess that keeps me motivated. and you know at at, it, at its very um essence is you know such a great thing, such a beautiful thing when it all comes together. So uh, that's certainly you know, and it is hard sometimes. It is you know it is show business. You know, there's a lot of, like most of the time, it you know, there is artist management and the joy of being thing, but it's a lot of key clacking, you know. Yeah. There's there's a lot of stuff that goes behind, you know, a lot of admin work and grist in the mill that goes behind the scenes. It, it is very much an office job at, at times. And that, you know, like, but you, when you finally get to, to, to deliver the festival and, and, and have the public enjoy it, have the artists, like, celebrate and enjoy it, you know, that's for me the greatest satisfaction
1: you get to be a part of all these reunions that happen and you get to be a part of sharing these artists that you get you brought to your city and watching people watch them it's great
0: yeah it's it's so it's it's just the best when you that you it's like you know what's going to happen yeah yeah yeah. And and you get to see it in real time on the audience's faces and and then you know that that excited rush that you had when you first saw the show and so forth and you know that that chatter that people have when the pitch is broken and then you know they're walking away and you hear the family talking amongst themselves and wasn't that amazing or you know that was so great that was so funny or yeah, that when little, they did that thing
1: like, yeah
0: yeah 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 it's absolutely it's such a great it's, a, it's such a buzz
1: yeah Great. Is there anything that you any thoughts that you have that you wanted to to say before we wrap things up here that that you want to share as a producer, to, like advice to either artists or producers or anything that you
0: uh I mean what a what a great thing that um Dolphin created are doing. This is such a great idea, you know, like anything that's building community and making, you know, networks. I am a big like believer in, in trying to I try to be as generous as I can, trying to make partnerships, trying to, to get out and you know how can we work together better to to for our own you know festivals and to make you know the whole network stronger um yeah big fan and, and yeah really thanks for having me today and um yeah having a chance to talk about the festival
1: yeah Well was great chatting good to see you again
0: it's yeah long. it's been too long i'd like yeah. yeah we'll have to get you back sometime yeah that'd be Keep great quiet. free man done. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, well, you're, you're kind of starting your day. I'm wrapping up my night here in New York. But uh, it was great seeing you, great talking. Thanks for being a part of it. Thanks, Brian.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and post it on social media. To catch all the latest from Dolphin Creative, you can follow us on Instagram at Dolphin Creative Events. See you in the next episode.